Welcome to LWYA. Uh, I get the privilege tonight of being up here with my bride, Holly Ann Merrill. Ow, ow! Let's go! Yeah. Well, for, for everybody else, if you, don't, if you don't know me or, or Holly, you know, uh, I would love, like Cody said, I'd love to meet you before you leave tonight. But what a pleasure to have you tonight. We're going to get into it. Uh, we've been in a, in a two, well, we've been two weeks into a series. Uh, if, you, if you've been listening or you've been hearing or you've been here, you know, uh, called Love, Relationships, and Singleness. And uh, it has been a lot of fun. We have had a ton of fun over the last two weeks. And... Uh, and, and like Cody mentioned earlier, if you if you missed either of those weeks, jump on jump on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to the messages uh, to be to be caught up where we are. But tonight, we're gonna dive into the topic of breakups and rejection. We don't know anything about it. We don't know anything about that. So this is gonna be just. I just did a bunch of research. So I'm just gonna bring you Google. a bunch of facts on that. <laughs> No, uh, we have we have a, we have a little bit to say about it, but I do want to introduce you guys to my bride. This is Holly, and uh, and it is such a it is such a joy to get to sit next to you tonight and and have the opportunity to share with our community here. Yeah, uh, we've been married for uh, seven years, and yeah, that's a that's a that's a big deal. <sighs> it's been an awesome, long, awesome seven years. Um, Yep, we have three kids, uh, and we've actually known each other for almost 15. This month, it's 15 years. We've known each other. Uh, and the first night that I met you 15 years ago, it was in February, the month of February, um, I was an eighth grader, and you were a ninth grader. And uh, we, we met at a, we met at a, a winter camp. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of our story in a minute. But to help us just get in the mood tonight uh, for where we're... Oh, oh. <laughs> Sarah's, Sarah's favorite. She set. She makes the noise of what we all have in our head. That like that like. She actually says it's great. To help us get in the mood for tonight, I thought it would be uh, it would be helpful for us to take a look at this video just to kind of get a little bit of a vibe of where we're gonna go. So, help me. We'll cue the lights. Cue the video. Take a look with us at this video. Breaking news, King scores, and more sent right to your cell phone. Sign up for News 10 text messaging on News10.net. A little uh, marriage proposal going on in midcourt right now, Jerry. I really can't imagine uh, doing that. You know, that's that's under pressure, isn't it? Well, whatever you did work because you're still married. How many yeah. years? Forty years. Forty years. So yeah. I think people ought to be asking you well, how to do it. Well, I tell you, if I'd have did it that way, I wouldn't have got. She'd have probably need me while I'm down there. But uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm just waiting once for the for the gal to say no. Okay. And, yeah. You know, uh, you know that would be. Uh, because she has to say yes there. She may say no as soon as they walk off the court. Oh, I think she's saying I can't do it right now. So I, I really do like you a lot, but uh, let's just be friends. Uh, look at this. Wow. Well, how do you like that? Well, I, you know, I was just joking when I said that. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> boy. But, uh, but, uh, okay. Young man. Uh, probably oh, get so, over it in uh, 10, It's so... Do <laughs> <laughs> a little prank here on uh, the night before Valentine's oh, Day. You, uh, you just feel for the guy. Oh, man. <laughs> Who won that game? 
Oh, that's brutal. It was so painful to watch. It and it and it did bring it brought some some terribly uh, painful you know feelings in me a little bit just from some some of our story. That that is a little glimpse. Maybe you've got maybe you've got an experience with a moment of rejection in your life. Have you ever been rejected? Can you even, as we, as we sit here, can you think of a moment, maybe it wasn't to that scale, maybe it wasn't to that degree of rejection in front of uh, thousands of people on national television and, and <laughs> will eternally be archived on YouTube for the rest of life. Maybe it wasn't that big, but maybe it was, maybe it was a, still a moment of rejection. Have you ever rejected somebody? Maybe, maybe you've been rejected, but maybe you've also been the rejector in the situation that we're, we're experiencing. Well, tonight, uh, we're, we're going to dive into this whole thing. And, um, you know, some things about rejection, just, you know, as we talk about it, uh, it's, it's unavoidable. Like, you, can't, you cannot, unless you literally have no human interaction and relationships for the rest of your life, uh, you cannot escape the potential of rejection. It's unavoidable. Uh, we all experience it to some degree. We cannot um, hide from it. It will find us. If we have relationships with people in any degree, any level, it's unavoidable. Uh, so something else, another reality about rejection in, in moments of breakups or things like that is it sucks. Like, there's just no other way around it. Like, it's it sucks. It's painful. It hurts. Uh it hurts like nothing else hurts like that. I mean, there's something about rejection that, like, it cuts to a deeper degree of, of your heart and soul. Like, I mean, for those that have experienced it, again, whether big scale, small scale, anywhere in between, it's like a pain, like, hard to compare to a different kind of, any other kind of pain. Um, and, and, you know, tonight, tonight, just to, to be honest, I know that some of you are here and you're still in the the real fresh experience of that feeling and that sense of hurt and pain from rejection. So, you know, we made light a little bit with the video just to help help us get, get kind of in the in the the mood of the perspective that we're trying to just begin, begin to to take to tackle, but but the reality is we know uh, that that some of you I'm sure are sitting here tonight and when you when you're listening to these words, you're thinking about what you've experienced in your moments of rejection. And although tonight we're talking about a more specific angle with romantic relationships or the relationships of, of guys and girls in regard to the pursuit of a, of a relationship, um, we, it still can bring up wounds from rejection from people, period. Friendships, moms, dads, siblings. Um, and so I want to be sensitive to that because the Lord, even though we're going to be talking about the angle of a romantic pursuit and rejection, the Lord might be wanting to speak to you about something that's even deeper that may just be, be beyond that. So be listening through that lens as well. But we know that there are people sitting here tonight that are still just in a lot of pain. Um, and God's going to meet you here tonight. God is going to speak to you. And we really believe it. Cody, Cody kind of already said it. We believe God, God has healing in store for tonight. Rejection is unavoidable. It sucks. And uh, for a lot of us, we fear it. It's crippling. It almost is like... One of the things that can prevent you from doing, saying, being something, someone, because of that fear. Um, 
and I know my life personally, as we go into our story here in just a moment, this is the, the fear of rejection is the number one issue in my life that has been on replay that the Lord has been uh, working out in me over and over and over and over. So for me on a personal level, like this is a real, um, not just sensitive, but it's a real close to home thought and an issue. And the Lord has taken me and is still on a, a journey with me. I'm on a journey with him uh, in this whole world. But a lot of us, we fear it. It's a big deal in a lot of our lives. So we're going to dive in. We're going to share with you uh, a piece of our story um, and uh, kind of give you a window in. And then we've we got some thoughts that the Lord, we really feel like, has put on our heart for you to, to be encouraged and challenged by. Um, and before we dive into our our story, oh, I'll have a picture, but I'll show it. I'll show it in a second. So when we get to that moment, I'll show a story just to give you a little bit more context. So uh, how, real briefly, the beginning, how, when, where did we meet? Matt, I was a freshman year, eighth grader. Eighth grader. Eighth grader. Power to the little guy. Let's go. <laughs> I have pictures that I found two days ago from the day we met. You did? Oh yeah. yeah. You not none of me though. Praise God. You just you just found right. I don't think I don't think you got any of me. That's good. I might somewhere. Right, we're good. We, I don't we'll, think we'll so. Move, we'll move on. I wouldn't um, care enough about you to take a picture of you. Eighth, eighth grade. Oh gosh. That's, at that point. At that point, very true. That's where we're going. Very uh, actual. We met at a at a winter camp. At a winter camp. Yeah, for with our youth group. Yep. And and a lot of you maybe have heard the story, but just the brief of it is eighth grade, ninth grade, and I saw two Holly. sides of the cafeteria. Yeah, two sides at dinner. Middle schoolers could not intermingle. With the high schoolers, it was against the church law <laughs> so weird. of a winter camp. <laughs> uh, and rightfully so. Middle schoolers are weirdos. You know what I mean? we got to keep Very that world. I was a middle schooler. I'm just calling my middle school pastor time. over here. Listen, no, I love middle schoolers. Um, y'all were middle schoolers at one point. So just remember that. Never forget. But they made it real clear. Middle schoolers, you have to eat here. Do not go eat with the high schoolers. Leave them alone. But my, my, uh, my group of guys, eighth grade guys sitting at the table, we saw Holly and four other girls sitting at a table, or three other girls. There's sitting. a sibling set in there as well. Yeah. And I was like, I have to go. I have to go see that. I have to go sit next to that girl. I have to. I don't care if I get kicked out of this stupid winter camp. This is why I'm here. <laughs> God will forgive me. This is meant to be, baby. So I did. I, we, 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 we got all of our courage built up, and we ran across the little invisible line that they said we could not cross, and we went and sat down at the table and, like, got real low. We were already small, but we got, like, real low in the seat, so just in case. And we talked, and we met, and, um, and that's where it all started. But the, the really, like, from that point forward, I was like, this girl is the girl for me. I, no joke. I had, to, I had felt like God in that night, God spoke to me. God did something really radical in my life with my relationship with Jesus. And so it was like all this stuff in one night. I really got saved that night, not connected to you at all. An encounter I had with God in a moment like worship and in the message. God gave my life to Jesus for real, uh, was filled with the spirit, felt like God called me to full-time vocational ministry. And then at the end of that night, I was going to bed, and I was like, I also met my wife. And I went to bed, I had it, and I literally, I was like, I, I, I know it. God is sealing this whole thing up. You know, signed, sealed, delivered, the whole package. Here we go. And so I was like, well, I know what I'm going to do now. I know who my wife is. Like, let's just get this thing going. Eighth grade, graduation cannot come soon enough. So I started to pursue you pretty hard for the next yes, you did. two years. Yeah. It was a little weird, a little stalkerish. There were multiple moments that he showed up places that 
he wasn't invited to, um, <laughs> was not normal for him to be there, was very far distances that he walked his dogs, Listen, looked no through my backyard fence. <laughs> Just odd things that most normal people don't do. But no height, no depth. <laughs> Is gonna get we in the had way. a mutual friend that we passed notes through that it was fun for a little while, and then it got weird when I heard that he told someone that God, God told him I was his future wife. And I was like, ah, no, 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 no. That's just weird. People don't do that. This is weird. I'm done. That's when, that's when it really turned off for you, and you're like, yeah, no shot. This kid is out yeah. of control. But I was like, uh, Bring it on. Bring the challenge on. We, I'm not going to be denied. So I pursued for the next couple of years and then continued to be met with. And I rejected hard. Yeah, real hard. Like painfully hard. Yeah. <laughs> but we're so, in the same youth ministry. It's we awesome. We were same youth group. We talk to each other all the time. So I, I, finally got, I finally caught the message and I, I stopped pursuing and started liking a different person. And, and then we became friends. Yeah. Because he was great and awesome. And I really liked him as a human being. When he wasn't awkwardly pursuing me. It was awesome. Imagine that. Yeah, we did. We became great friends throughout the rest of high school. You graduated, obviously, a year before me. You went to Biola University, Southern California. Woo! I uh, finished high school, did an internship for a hot minute, quit that internship early. And uh, we stayed in contact throughout your college time and my time figuring out what I was doing with my life. And um, we still remain really good friends. Uh, and then about, what was it, two, two years, almost, almost, no, it was two years in. You were a sophomore. Um, I just graduated, and you came home for spring break. I was playing softball with all of my guys, and uh, I was in the, whatever, the batter-up boxes. What is it, on deck? On deck. And what is that? Somebody that plays baseball or softball. Batter, no, I wasn't in the batter's box. I wasn't hitting it. On deck. Yeah. Gosh. I, we played other sports. I played, played, played football more than that. So, uh the place before the place. Thank and water you. polo. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> that was uh, nice <laughs> <yesterday>. <laughs> water polo was the worst thing ever. Okay. So, anyway, I'm, like, warming up, and, you know, I'm always kind of looking, you know, just in case there's an attractive girl that's around. I just want to be ready. You know what I mean? I just was, like, there's all guys out there, but you never know. Sometimes girls, like, come and watch the game. And so, I'm, like, I'm just kind of, like, you know, I'm focusing, but I'm not. And I do see this girl walking up from the sidewalk about 150 yards away. And as she gets closer, she gets more and more attractive. And I'm, like, well, who is this? And as she gets closer and closer and closer, I'm, like, that's Holly Delaney. We are going to have to hang out. <laughs> and, uh, and we did. We did, because we were friends, but, like, I just hadn't seen you in a long time, and it was, like, it's been a while, and we all, you came up, and I was, like, this is going to, we need to spend some time hanging out, and we did for the next eight days, all of spring break, we hung out every single day, uh, and, and, like, it was, it was on. So, I came into that spring break, uh, I really liked Chase at that point, Chase had no clue I liked him at that point, because I had resolved my mind, like, well, there is no shot I ever have with Chase Merrill, because... I hurt him so badly. There's a picture, actually, of where I think you started to turn the corner of liking me, and I was totally out and did not like you. But we're, we're, can you throw this up? It's not this. This that's is a lie. No, I see, did not like you. Okay, then. well, here's the context. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, she's a senior. This oh, is, no, I totally did. You did. That's what I'm saying. I did. You, you asked Sorry, me. Sorry, everyone. This is your senior, I lied in front this of is your senior year. Yeah, because I asked your best friend so that I could hide that I liked you. Yeah, you asked yeah. my best friend first, and I didn't even know about and this. And he rejected after. Me. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. So I was second choice. Either way, here we go. Uh, this is Holly and I at her senior ball. I'm a junior, sh- and I'm in, like, a suit that's for an extra, extra large man somehow. 
That was the style. That was the style before, you know, swanky old European style stuff came in. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this was the beginning, really. Your senior year, you're almost graduated. You started to like go, actually, I think I might like Chase. And I was like way off that train. But we were good friends. So I was like, yeah, I'll go with you to senior ball. Uh, and then, okay, fast forward back to where we were. Oh, so I was going into spring break, and my mom and two of my close friends, my roommate, another girlfriend, told me, hey, if you don't tell Chase or make it somehow clear to him over this break that you have some sort of feelings for him, the day you get back to school, we're calling him and telling him that you like him. And I was like, this is really, <laughs> this is. Some good friends. This is, and my mom, like my mom's going to do like, that's weird. <laughs> oh, this is, clearly I actually guess I really like Chase, and I, something needs to happen. But so. It came out towards the end of the week. Yeah, end of the week, I was like, you, you made the comment. This is, this is perfect. Some of you girls in here. We, are, we hung out for seven days straight. Those are about to have our last day. It might have even been our last night. And you made the comment. We were sitting in. No, you text me. We just hung out all day. I go home to my house. You're at your house. You text me, and you're like, it's really going to suck one day when you get a girlfriend. <laughs> I was like, what the heck does that My verbiage was a little different. No, it was basically like, it's really going to, yeah, I'm just going to suck when you get a girlfriend one day. And I was like, are you, okay, what in the, are you, are you serious? Like, obviously, like, there's a real potential over the last seven days that we've been spending together. Like, you could be that girl with where we're at. And so I was like, ah, scrap the text. We're going to have this conversation in person. Like, you should. DTR this thing right here, right now. So I drove over to her house and parked in the, the front, front driveway she came out and sat in the car and I was like what do you mean are you saying that like like you couldn't be my girlfriend and in that moment we both realized like yeah no this is for real years and years and years of a friendship was beginning to blossom into something that was like for real more than just a friendship so you went back to school and then a month later officially because I wanted to spend some time in I wanted to ask your dad and get his blessing on the whole pursuit and all that. So I spent some time, you spent some time when we came back home for Mother's Day. And officially, we were like, let's do this thing. We started to date officially. Uh, we did that. We did that for about a year, long distance, because you were at school still, and I was up in the Sacramento area and Australia. For That was a really weird uh, long distance. I spent hundreds of dollars on <laughs> Wi-Fi credit so I could Skype her. I, it was ridiculous. I mean, you were worth every single penny of it, but I was, like, out there on a, I kind of, like, a mission strip type of thing, and, like, I was selling some CDs that I had made, and I was, like, literally, all of my, <laughs> all of my, <laughs> also, if you go back in his photos, just side note, if you go to his Facebook and look at old photos, there's some really good ones when his hair was really long when he was in Australia. I had to blend with the culture, Just okay? I had to be an Australian for a couple months while I was there. Uh, we, I spent a ton of money, I, but that was, that was difficult. I knew, though, on the plane out there, I had this, like, I'm going to marry this girl for real. So out there, besides spending money on Wi-Fi to, to FaceTime or to Skype you, FaceTime wasn't a thing then, um, I was like, I'm like, all, this, all the rest of the money is going towards a ring. And came home from Australia uh, had a couple more months and thinking about it, knew we were we were gonna get married. So got a ring. That whole process happened, and I proposed officially. I think sometime in in I think it was April, end of April, April 30th, I think, April 29th. And uh, and then that's where it all went down. It was for I proposed at the same park bench behind her house that I stalked her from. <laughs> Not kidding. Seven years earlier. 
It was a terrible, don't do that. Don't, if you're a guy, there's, there's way more creative ways that you could propose better than that. But I was like, ah, we were going to do this, so we did it. Uh, it was great. And we were engaged. We're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll speed up this last part, but this is the part where we're going to land tonight with where it was. We were engaged for, for six months. No, three and a half months. Four. And um, around that time, about four and a half months in, uh, we started to get to a point. So engaged, and again, we're engaged, and Facebook had just got real, real hot. So, like, the whole world knew we were engaged, right? We posted it. Every, it's the thing that it is now to some degree. Everybody knew. Uh, all of our family, all of our friends. I was in, in ministry. I was a young adult ministry assistant, worship worship person. She was in our, our ministry as well. I had already graduated from college. So we were a really integrated bunch of people. And then some 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 difficulties began to hit, some some problems that were inside from the very beginning that we had not got, gotten right uh, began to surface in our relationship. And um, what it came down to, the, the gist of it is, is... Uh, I did not, I, number one, I was not leading our relationship with the integrity um, in the world of our physical boundaries that I had been called to lead. Um, you know, God had called me to honor him and honor her in our relationship physically, and uh, I just wasn't doing that. And there were, there were several moments where I compromised that trust that she had in me to lead her the way that God had called, us to, called me to lead her. And um, it just began to, to deteriorate her ability to trust me to to keep her safe like that and knowing that, like, we're going to continue to keep this the center of our relationship. And, you know, by, by God's grace, you know, we, we saved sex for marriage. I, we were, I mean, barely in that way. Like, God really helped us protect that. But there was other things that we, we pushed boundaries on that I, um, I just didn't honor the Lord. And it did not honor you. And it didn't honor your family. And uh, so that piece for me, and then what, what piece for you was kind of part of what helped yeah, deteriorate I, that? I would say retrospectively, I couldn't have told you any of it in this season. Uh, I was not secure in my identity in Christ. Um, I, Chase was an idol in some sense in my life. I had a relationship with my parents where I, being engaged, was more um, concerned with my parents' opinion, what my parents thought, than what was really important to us. And so that was like really unhealthy under the surface and coming out, but I couldn't fully recognize it. Chase was really aware of it, and I couldn't fully recognize that. I could see it, how it was affecting us negatively, and it was hard for you to see it, which was even more part of why it was. So we made the de- I made the decision, and it was mutual, but it was really me, um, to say, like, we have to break up because we can't get healthy what needs to get healthy if we continue to stay engaged in pursuing each other unless we – take some time away and, and, and get things right with the Lord and, and give some space. So we did that. September, I officially said, we are going to break up. Yeah. You gave me the ring back, and that was, a, that was one of the hardest nights of, it was, of both of our lives, but probably more for you than for me. Yeah, it really caught me off guard, even though we had kind of been on some conversation of, like, there's some unhealth in us, um, and it was devastating. And it crushed me. Um, it was, I agreed with him because I trusted him and I loved him. Like, there are some things that are unhealthy, but, like, this is devastating. Like, you are fully breaking everything in my heart. Um, so I didn't understand it. I did, but I didn't understand it. I woke up the next morning. And with that breakup, it was, to some degree, a mutual understanding. Like, we'll get back together at some point once this gets all healthy. I woke up the next morning, and I don't really know how else to explain it except for it was like 
nope, we're done. And it might have been my pride. I don't know what it was, but it was something like, we're not getting back together. I'm not breaking up in front of the whole world, all of the people that know us and love us, to then, like, string everybody along on this, like, break up, not break up, be together kind of thing. It was like, we're done. And I began to then really disconnect, try to push away. And she was like, no, of course we're going to get back together. So that next four or five months was was hell. We saw each other four to five days a week. Yeah. because we were I was interning in the ministry that he was on staff in. Um, all of our friends were mutual because I had moved back from college for our life together. And, so it was. And when I look back on that, like I, I like I was pursuing the Lord for me, but mm-hmm. I also didn't want to lead you on. So I didn't know how to you handle it. You didn't lead it. me on at all. I didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> You're right. He wouldn't say hi half the time. It was awesome. I was a <laughs> dirt bag in regard to how I treated you looking back, because I I didn't know how else to, like, not let you think that there was a potential by just besides shutting down, cold shoulder, you know. So because of that, not only was the rejection of the breakup painful for you, it was this ongoing progression of me continuing to, like, reject you even in moments like that. So so that happened. Uh, And then a piece of that with this whole story is that to some degree, I was, like, I I leaned into the Lord, and I was trusting him, because, like, that was my whole future was built kind of into that. And because we had so much proximity still with our with our young adult ministry that we were in par- a part of, I got to see her, like, like she said, three or four days a week. And I thought that her life was not that like I was like I'm everything and her life's going to be ruined now because I'm not in it. But I, there's just we were engaged and like we were in on life and our future together. And so there was a piece of me that was like she's going to really struggle with this for a long time and it's not going to be good. But what happened was I watched Holly press into Jesus and pursue God's presence and seek after his face and dig into his word and begin to get stirred up for the things of God like I had never seen before. And rather than her life being like thrown in the trash can that's on fire and her future and all of her hopes and dreams, like she died to herself in a different kind of way and laid herself at the feet of Jesus and said, do whatever you want with my life, God, I'm all yours. And I watched her daily, weekly, surrender and just fall in love with Jesus like I had never seen. And it was like, I mean, it was, I couldn't believe it to the point where like you were, you were beginning to go, God, I will give my life away literally to the point like, you know, you would begin feeling stirrings to go be a missionary in Sudan with a ministry that basically their whole entire purpose was to take the gospel to really dangerous places that it was not there yet. And, you know, they were like, you were talking to them and signing up for this nine-month long. tickets purchased. You were learn- I was learning Sudanese. You were all in. And you and it was, the reality was, and your parents had to deal with the reality. Your family had to deal That's with not, Hold on. It's not a language. Sudanese? It, Arabic. I was learning Arabic. Excuse yeah. me. The Sudanese people. Sudanese people. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. But no joke. It was like signing. <laughs> signing. What's so beautiful about that is I didn't even think about that. So you're... Hundred times smarter than me. It's like, of course, Sudanese. I'm just crazy. <laughs> you were signing papers, basically, basically acknowledging that like you may not come back alive. It was like a, there is a no uh, liability to the ministry that you were going with on them if you did not come back alive. It was a different degree of faith. So I'm sitting back watching all of this, going like, what in the world is going on in this girl? This is insane. Um, We'll, we'll, we'll cut to the way that it ended. Long story short, after five, six months of that, in January, um, 
I'm just, I won't even go to that because I'm out of time. But, uh, I was leading worship. I saw Holly with somebody that I recognized from her Bible college in Southern California, which was seven hours away. And he was sitting next to her on church on Sunday in our front row where all of our young adults sat. And I'm leading the song of worship with our, with our whole adult audience, right? We got a ton of people in there. And I'm mid-song. I stop singing. My breath gets taken out of my lungs. Because I see this dude sitting next to Holly. And I'm like, that dude is not just here because he wants to worship Jesus. <laughs> he's here because he's pursuing her heart. And then something happened. And I was like, no. Like, no. That's not... That's not his heart to pursue. That's my heart to pursue. Why do I feel like, what am I, I thought, I, I thought this was all dead and done. And something happened and like, I literally could not keep singing. Background vocal person came up and finished the song and I finished the set, got off the side of the stage and was like, what just happened? I felt like I got hit, kicked in the gut. And then after the service, I was like, oh man, something just got resurrected in me that like, whether it's just the, I don't know, it wasn't done. And it was this compounding of watching you pursue Jesus and then the reality that like, that's my heart to pursue and no other man's outside of the father's. And so we began after that point, we talked a couple days later. I couldn't sleep for three days. I literally physically, I mean, not, not like, a, you know, I genuinely couldn't sleep and uh, told you that. And we started, we. <laughs> I didn't like him. I didn't like this guy. Oh, but you knew. I was, I knew exactly what his presence would do. Yeah. And I was so strategic. <laughs> oh, she, she knew. And I kind of regret it, and I don't regret it at all. <laughs> oh, I don't regret one bit of it. We re, we, the Lord restored, uh, restored our hearts to him and then to each other. And we restarted, we restarted a friendship journey from that point forward for the next four or five months um, and walked things out in a different kind of way. And God redeemed and restored us and healed us and resurrected our relationship. We got re-engaged in May, and then we got married in October, and we've been married for seven and a half years since then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, part of, what, part of why we wanted to give you, some of you have already heard all that, some of you haven't. Part of why we wanted to walk you through the journey is because we really believe, like, um, we, we, we believe our life is a test. We want it to be a testimony to people to God's faithfulness. Um, to, to the healing that can come on the other side of rejection, um, to the healing that can come on the other side of betrayal, to, to, to the redeeming nature of God in, in a person's heart, whether or not a relationship gets redeemed or not, the fact that God can heal and redeem a heart. And so we wanted to, to take you, bring you into that tonight so that you can get a little glimpse of it, not because, like, we have everything together because we don't. We still have a lot of work we're walking through. And even though there was a pretty macro moment of uh, rejection that took place, uh, as I pursued her for two years as an eighth grader, ninth grader, and tenth grader, and as uh, she experienced a macro, like a big moment of rejection when we broke up our engagement, um, there's still been a lot of little like micro rejection moments throughout our whole marriage that we've been working through. This it hasn't it didn't, it didn't end when we got married, especially for me, and that's important for you to know too. Uh, you that are you know dating or, or newly engaged or newly married to know that like. It doesn't just end when you get the guy or get the girl and you seal the deal and you got the ring and you're ready to go to happiness forever. That, that's not how it, it's gone for me or us. And, and you've even, you know, 
can you for a second speak to that? So they've got those big moments of rejection that you might have experienced, but there's also these like little versions, these micro versions that some of you can be like, I've never been broken up with, but maybe you're experiencing something else. Yeah, I mean, like I think of my close, close girlfriends that have never, are 29, 30, and have never had a boyfriend or been in a relationship, and they are fantastic, Jesus-loving, fearing women. Yeah. And they are. And by the way, I have like some of my best guy friends, same situation. Yeah. 27, 28, 29. Two best guy friends. Yeah. And my brother. <laughs> Thanks, Dion. Another shout out at Landon Merrill on Instagram if you want to follow him. Such a stud. Um, but that are living in, have been living in this like constant state of rejection, that constant like, I'm not good enough. Um, or minor, like, oh, maybe maybe there's a glimmer, flicker of hope. No, rejection again, feeling. So it's it's all across the board. Because a lot of us may not ever experience this massive blowing rejection in one moment. Yeah, it could just be an ongoing feeling or sense. So we're going to give you three quick thoughts about this idea of rejection and pointing you to something we believe will be healing for you tonight. And then I want to have uh, some time to just respond in God's presence because we really believe we can say some things and we're going to point you to some truth that will and can change your life. But, but God's presence is going to be the thing that, that heals you and walks you through the process of, of overcoming the rejection you've experienced. First thing we want to say is this. Rejection does not define you. Rejection from a person, a guy, a girl in, in a relationship or the, the hope for a relationship does not dictate your value. And you have to hear me say that. You're not, you're, you're, who you are and your worth and your value is not predicated upon someone's level of acceptance of you or, or want of you or their rejection of you. Uh, Jesus was rejected, right? We know, we know the son of God came and he lived a perfect life and man rejected him. And he was of supreme value, the ultimate value, nothing more valuable than him. And he was rejected to the point that your rejection does not dictate your value. It does not define you. First Peter 2, 4 talks about, you know, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight, God chosen and precious. That there's a rejection by men, but the way God sees is different. Isaiah 53, 3, the, the prophecy of Jesus. Isaiah says that he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrow is acquainted with grief as one whom men hid their faces. He was despised. There, there's this picture that we see Christ as the ultimate example of someone who has supreme value and yet was still rejected by men. Um, rejection does not mean that something is wrong, wrong with you. I think a lot of the time when we have someone be like, yep, before a relationship even starts or like you're like, and they say, I'm not really interested or I don't, I don't want to do this or, or that you do start and they're like, they realize later that it's not what they thought or you're not what they want or whatever. It does not necessarily mean that something's wrong with you. A lot of the time, it's it's something on the other side of the equation of the, a process that that person has got to go through that they're they're wrestling with that they've got to get healing in that they've got to get healthy, and and so listen to me, it's not a it's not a pr predicated upon what you have something right or wrong in with you, that's important for you to hear. Um, that's not rejection does not define you, and, and I want to speak to two fears of rejection, and then if you want to speak to any of this before we move to the next one, two fears that come with rejection. I got to say this to this group. Um, and especially to the guys, but it also is, it also is uh, for the girls as well. Um, you have, okay, don't let the fear of rejection stop you from a potential pursuit. There's this growing wave of, of like 
generational fear of, of any, I'm not going to, I don't want to, there's the potential I can get rejected, so I'm not going to even attempt. And, and it's real, and I, and I feel it. Uh, I have felt it. But some, some, some of you guys need to hear me say that, that the fear of rejection it's a, is a lie. It's a lie from the enemy to try to keep you bound in a place that, that God doesn't want you to experience. And whether it's the pursuit of a, of a woman's heart or, or for you ladies, a guy's heart, like you got to know that, that we have to stop letting that fear of rejection prevent you from just taking a step of pursuit if that's something that God has put in your heart to pursue. The other thing is on the other side of the equation that, that it's this statement. Don't let the need to end something. Some of you need to end some stuff. Don't let the need to end something be hindered or delayed because of the fear of hurting someone. Some of you know you're in something that isn't healthy and you should have ended it a long time ago, but you're so afraid of, of hurting somebody that you just continue to delay ending something that you need to end. Again, there's a way to do things as in love and in grace and letting God, but you can't ultimately always protect their heart the best way that, that you got to let God do. So some of you need to hear that fear of rejection has bound you both in pursuing or in ending something that needs, that needs to be ended. So point number one, rejection does not define you. Anything you would say to that point? Number two. You want to say number two? Yeah. Second thing is rejection can be a gift. Um, it, I mean, really looking back in my life, that season of my life, <laughs> as weird as it sounds, like that was the sweetest gift of a season I've ever had in my life. My relationship with Jesus was the sweetest it has ever been in my life. And there are moments, there have been so many moments that I like long for that season. I'm like, oh no, I don't, I don't want that season. But like what I got in that season was the best I've ever experienced in my life of Jesus in my pursuit of him. Because there was, I had nothing to lose. Like all I, all I had, I lost everything I really wanted. And so the only thing I had was Jesus. And then it forced me in the most beautiful way to pursue everything else and people around me, which that space is only cultivated when there's rejection, um, micro rejections or macro rejections in that sense. Uh, also, that the thought of the, a breakup doesn't have to mean that everything you experienced was a waste. Yeah, because I think sometimes like it's like you get the box of all the stuff that they gave you, and you're like, burn it. Burn it forever. I'm never going to look at this stuff ever again. Right. Man, we all experience moments like that. Um, but, but I was talking to somebody recently that's, that was going through something to this extent. And we were talking about the idea of uh, the fact that even though it didn't work out, you always can learn and gain something from what you experienced. It's never wasted. And, and if you let the Lord do something with it, there's so many things that you can grow from. There's never something that is fully wasted. So, so even your rejection does not mean what you did have in that relationship or in that pursuit is a waste. Always something that God can do and help you grow for in the next season, regardless of, of what comes from that, that rejection. Um, rejection can be a gift. Yeah, it's also one of the greatest tools in that gift for us to really assess where we are and where we want to be going or who we are currently and who we want to be as it just reveals and brings up different feelings and things and truth in us in the season that we're in or in the moment that we are rejected in about propelling us forward, about taking us to that next place of where we want to be with Christ and where we want to be in relationships and friendships and people. Yeah. I'm going to invite our, our band to come up and prepare for us to have a response in just a moment while we hit our last point here. 
And the last thought is this. Rejection will reveal. Moments of rejection in your life are opportunities for you to remember. Remember what? Well, to remember that, like, our ultimate place, your ultimate place of acceptance, of affirmation, of value, comes from the Father through Christ Jesus. And so when you experience moments of rejection, what it is is it's an opportunity to, to help you remember that, hey, even though that person rejected you, remember that you're ultimately fully accepted by the Father through Christ. So let that pain from the physical person rejection point you back to the reality of a hope that we have that's outside of this world. Rejection helps us really reveal and expose where the anchor of our identity is. And as painful as rejection is, it's, it's such a beautiful revealer that where my anchor, where my hope really is. Um, where's your anchor tonight? Who, who is your anchor in tonight? When you think about that sense of identity, when you think about that sense of hope and that sense of longing. You know, I, I know this to be true. I'm learning this to be true still in our relationship, in our marriage. And it's this reality that when, when you are anchored in Jesus, no matter what rejection comes from man or woman, you can remain steadfast. You can remain secure. I love how David writes in Psalm 112, verse 7. He says this. He says, he's not afraid of bad news. Why? His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. There's something to be said about an anchor, your anchor being in Christ, that no matter what comes, what form of rejection, breakup, you, you can have a place of being absolutely secure still. It doesn't mean you don't feel pain. It doesn't mean you just don't process and walk through stuff. You're not some impenetrable robot that, like, doesn't feel emotion. You're real. You're a human. But your, your anchor is in something that's so much more secure than what man could give you, what woman could give you. There's been those moments in our marriage to this point still, right, that I'm learning to remember embrace and embrace that more than ever in it's so valuable, it's so important, and it is, it is really the difference maker in, I think, a healthy, a healthy relationship is that constant place where both people come back to that reality that, like, my anchor is in Jesus. Even if you don't give it the affection, the hope, the love, the attention, the what that I'm longing for, I, I, can, I know I've got it in Christ in a more fulfilled and full way. So even if it's absent from you, I can still love you and serve you and walk with you and forgive you and vice versa because it's coming from a source that's not you. This is going to sound really cheesy, but I want it to stick, so I'm risking the cheesiness. It's like the most dad, it's like the most dad thing I can do. I am a dad. Three kids deep, baby, let's go. God can take your breakup. You ready? And turn it into a buildup. If you let them. Some of you have gone through some breakups and you've gone through some moments of rejection and you really haven't given it to the Lord. So you're trying to fix yourself. You can't. You cannot fix the rejection and the breakup that's taking place. The only one that can take that mess and that brokenness and build it back up to something more beautiful, beauty from ashes style, is God. So some of you need to let go 
of trying to fix your own heart and resolve that pain by getting in another relationship where you think it's going to solve where you're at and help make you feel better because you're loved by that next guy or that next girl. Stop. Take a break. Take a pause and let God heal and rebuild you. Reestablishing, receiving his love and his affirmation and his approval of you. God wants to heal some of you tonight. You're hurt, you're broken, bruised, some of you bitter, you're angry. It's hard for you to even be around some of the people that have hurt you in these kind of categories because you just can't forgive. You can't even think about how they could reject you ultimately the way that they did. And, and, and you've been believing the lies of the enemy about your value and your worth and about how that's connected to the way that they've rejected you. And, and this, is the, this is the statement of the night as we have a moment to respond and worship. And if you guys want to bring the lights down because we're going we're gonna to get here in just a second. For you that are hurt, God has got healing for you. Here's where it's, it's found. Full healing tonight, ongoing, is found in the Father's full acceptance of you through Christ Jesus. You got to hear the truth tonight. You're not going to find the healing that you're longing for anywhere else. Not the perfect guy. Not the perfect relationship dynamic. Not the perfect girl. You aren't going to find the healing that your heart desperately is longing for and needs whether it's been you you're you're single you've been single you've never experienced rejection and it just feels like no guy's giving you an opportunity or no girl's even giving you a chance and you're just like am i not going to be good enough for anybody or you moment after moment you pursue and you get rejected and your heart is just like i can't take anymore god i'd rather not than just keep going through this process of not being enough for somebody man god's got healing for you tonight and then when the when the healing comes or as, the, as, it, as that begins, that process begins, because you, you would say it probably didn't happen in one moment. It took, it took a process. That as that healing comes, you begin to get more secure and full and steadfast of your identity being not of what any man or woman thinks about you, but what the Father thinks about you, how he feels about you. Psalm 34, 18, if your heart is broken, you'll find God right there message version says you'll find God right there if you're kicked in the gut he'll help you catch your breath Psalm 34 18 message version God's here for the brokenhearted tonight he wants to heal you